you know, head and body around how to perform in the big leagues uh, with elbow tightness. Yeah, it's uh, it's not what you want, as you said. <laughs> uh, you know, I think he can be one of the best defensive right fielders in baseball. <laughs> Do you want to break it to him or should I? Who, who's... <laughs> Go, yeah. go get him and beat him in an alley somewhere. But don't injure him. Because we're going to need <laughs> it. And welcome to episode number 180 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're happy to tell you about a team that wins nearly half of the time. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the... Have we done Indomitable? Probably. Probably. Uh, that's <laughs> better than insignificant. So I adjectives. <laughs> Joshua Housem in the house. Well, his house, uh, which is a new house. Congratulations, Josh, on the house and being back for another podcast. Thank you. And good to be here. We have uh, we have a lot of things. We have uh, a Randall Grichuk in the form that we have all, I think we're hoping he would at least be once in a while, uh, you know, and surrounded by a bunch of guys who uh, are, are taking their tips from him on how to hit. Uh, unfortunately, there's a couple people who are not available to hit. Well, one not available to hit, one not available to pitch right now that mean a lot, both short-term and, and maybe long-term for the Blue Jays. Uh, however, the guy they paid all the big money for, he's pitching well. Uh, and so are a bunch of people in the bullpen. One name in there we're going to talk about maybe wasn't, wasn't one we were expecting on the list. Can they figure out other ways to throw away games? Sure, they're the Blue Jays. Uh, of course, from uh, his mouth to our ears to our mouths to your ears, Ross Atkins spoke today. <laughs> we have those words, uh, the significant ones for you. We have questions from you. You asked us things. We will answer them in uh, a reasonable level of uh, competence and knowledge. And of course, we have a do-over. We have a do-over for a home run, which seems like you wouldn't want to do that over. And let's start talking about home runs because Randall Grichuk is the man in uh, what, what's Baltimore's slang? It's not Beantown, that's Boston. Is there, is there like a slang term for Baltimore? Oh, probably. <laughs> the man who was trying to hit the warehouse. Uh, yeah, Randall Grichuk's going to be sad to leave Baltimore. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he went off. I mean, he, he started really turning things around when they first came to Buffalo. Like, uh, it's funny because Randall Grishuk was the guy who was so horribly against Buffalo locally <laughs> rather. And yeah. So like he hit a home run against Tampa in the last game of that series. And then he has hit three more in the subsequent three games. Four more. Sorry. In the subsequent yeah, three it, games. I think it's four. Yeah. 11 runs yeah. driven in because, you know, all those people were on base in front of him. Nice enough to, to be there for him. <laughs> Help out the uh, – that, that that whole solo home run thing went went in the, the tank as soon as you mentioned it on the podcast. So that's good. Sure did. Yep. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk a lot I, about their defensive woes at the end of this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, and actually, I forgot. He homered in the first game of the series, had a double in the second. And then he, – so he's got six home runs in his last six games. Uh, that's a pace uh, he's probably not going to keep up, but I'll I'll take it while it's here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, no time like you the know, present. Yeah, and yeah, and it's not like one of the interesting things about it is yes, it's a hot streak, right? And there's only so much you can take from that, but it comes from an actual verbalized change in approach, 
where he said he's been working with the hitting constructor on actually hitting the ball, like getting it a little deeper in, on him. Like, you know, for power, you're technically supposed to hit the ball further out front. But for him, it was causing him to essentially jump at the ball, which is why he was swinging and missing so much. And yeah, so like he's cut his strikeout rate down, his walk rate is up, and his home run rate obviously is up. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and his home run rate is down somehow. Yeah, somehow, yes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like it, it's a change that you know I, we've seen these things before that they go really well for a month and then they disappear. Now the season is only two months long, but you know if this actually works, then it's very intriguing. Well, we said though before the season, it, it's it's not about those long-term effectiveness. It's about having a bunch of people on a hot streak. That's why the Orioles were above 500 and, and you know, I think they were in like third place last week is because they were playing uh, extremely well uh, in, a, in a short run and, it, and that put them in a great position up to that point. So uh, you don't need... You don't need a guy to change who he is forever. You literally, like you said, only need him. If you, if you can get a guy who's on a month-long hot streak, uh, that is a huge boost to your club at this point. Yeah. But, I'll, but I mean, I'm 100% totally agree with what we just said. But with regards to, with regards to Grichuk, if it is a figured-it-out kind of scenario. Bonus! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. no, I mean, we'll, we'll keep watching and... Hope that things improve, or not improve, that they stay improved. <laughs> yeah. So now the trick here is you can't just have Randall Grichuk going off and win ball game. Um. So do the Blue Jays have have that hitting is contagious thing going on? And it would seem at least in Baltimore. Again, this is a team that was not designed to win anything, but you yeah, know. But also against Tampa. Hitting wise, yes. Then the other things fell apart against Tampa. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, do do the Blue Jays have enough enough people firing on enough cylinders to start to put together something that constitutes a uh I won't say playoff ready team, but a five hundred team at this point? Tough to, I mean, so if you just looked at the last week, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, this is kind of what we talked about early on with this team, that because of the nature of the hitters that they have they're going to be prone to streaks. And it just so happened that everybody was good at the same time and everyone was bad at the same time. <laughs> That's not usually how it works. But, yeah, I mean, Kevin Biggio has gotten his OPS up over 850. By virtue, yeah, obviously, of, of his most repeatable skill being combined with some actual luck in the hitting department. <laughs> well, he's hit for some power, right? Right. And, you know, that's his, like, he's, you know, his betting average is 235, but he walks a ton. He leads the team in walks, as expected, and he's hitting for home for home runs. He's got six. He's tied with Grichuk. So, you know, having that at the top of the order, Teoscar Hernandez has kept being good. You know, it's, and Travis Shaw has been solid lately. And, you know, he's OPS. Again, it's a silly stat, but, you know, it's around 770. Well, it was 770 entering today. He struck out in his first at bat. Uh, you know, like so, like there are guys we were talking about how they had nobody. Well, now they have some guys. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about. Uh, I was joking with you that we needed you need three guys with an 800 OPS. And there was a game where I think um, Rowdy, 
either homered or doubled in his last at bat, which put him at exactly 800 at the end of the game. Uh, unfortunately, one of the guys who was over 800 OPS, as a, you know, your rule of thumb kind of thing, was Bobachet. Yeah. So if you people were wondering why I didn't mention <laughs> the guy who leads the team in batting average, OPS, slugging, that's because he's injured. Uh, and not like was it not between games that he sort of came to the coaching staff and said, uh, "It's it's the knees not yeah, he good." Felt, he felt it stretching. He Never stretch. Yeah, exactly. They should go Kangaroo Junior. Or eat a banana, because <laughs> monkey never never cramps. Courtesy of, um, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, Suzuki. <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah, I mean, but Bichette was just on fire. Like, you know, he was doing what Grichuk was doing. And unlike Grichuk, Bichette is a guy for whom success is expected, from whom, and it was delivered. I mean, he had a five-for-five game. He homered in four straight, and he was playing solid defense at short. And it's like, you know, so we're going to get to Fernando Tatis later, but, you know, Tatis was getting all this hype for the stuff he was doing earlier on the season. And I tweeted this out a couple of days ago, right before Bichette got hurt. So again, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> just, just stop doing things. I really need to stop. But Bichette's numbers were better. Which is wild. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, everything about Bo Bichette says that he's off on the exact right foot to start his career. He's, he's like the inverse of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but, I mean, you have to remember these guys in the Blue Jays system, as, as much as Bichette has one year on him, uh, you know, maturity, quote-unquote-wise, they, they were, you know, one-two in the system, although Vlad was supposed to be miles ahead of him still. Um, it looks like Bichette has it better put together at the moment and, and for the foreseeable future if he's healthy. Yeah, and so we'll get to more of Ross Atkins' quotes. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Ross Atkins is an interesting guy when he talks to the media, but he did also address the Bichette situation. And he said he's extremely hopeful that he'll contribute again in 2020. Um, Swelling is down in his knee was the tweet I read. Um, So, I mean, if he's, you know, if if the initial irritation is going away, um, I don't think, obviously it's, it's not one of those things where you put a guy in the, for the minor in a, in the minors for a week to do whatever um, you're, you're going to bring him back anyway. Right. Because the, the, t- the window's so short. Yeah. And, and the quote was just weird, like extremely hopeful for 2020. Like, so that's in the next six weeks. <laughs> you know, it's like, give us something a little more to go on than that. Like, do you think it's going to be soon or what? But you know, it, it, they got the news that it was a grade one strain. It was confirmed with the second opinion as well. So, or sprain rather, so that means there's no tearing. And right. So, you know, given everything it could have been, it was the best. Which I mean, for an injury that we don't even know when it happened, I guess is okay. <laughs> but still, it's classic baseball. I was, I don't know what I did. I don't know when I did it. Uh, but it wasn't on the field. I don't think, and I'm out for way too long. Ah well. Yep. Nevertheless. 
Yeah, so with no Bichette, but the, it, it looks like that gap is kind of being papered over with a with a bunch of. I mean, obviously Grichuk right now, but but it looks like there's the potential to kind of fill those holes, and not with the guy who's actually replacing him. Who, you know, I, I don't think Santiago Espinal is going to hit like Bobichet. I just mean there's there's enough guys in the lineup that can put enough runs on the board to win some games. If and yeah, I'm going to segue again. If the pitching holds up. Yeah, and physically it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a problem. This pitchers get injured though. I mean, we've we've known that for a long time. It's just you don't want your phenom 199 mile an hour hurler who's just trying to wrap his his, you know, head and body around how to perform in the big leagues uh with elbow tightness. Yeah, it's uh, it's not what you want, as you said. <laughs> he went, yeah, he went down. We didn't know it. Um, so we, he pitched his game. He didn't pitch very well. He threw okay for four innings, and then he got clobbered in the fifth. Well, actually, he gave a three-run homer in the first. But um, yeah, he's his. He hadn't been great. His pitch usage was weird. His command wasn't there. But you know, he's a rookie, so who cares? But. This is le- this is more of an issue. Um, again, it's just elbow tightness so far, and it said he felt better the morning after than when he reported it first. But you know, he was sent for an MRI today, and Ax- and Ross Atkins again with those really confidence-inspiring words <laughs> were not initially worried. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till later to be worried. We've got. I've only got so much worry to spread around, and uh, I don't have any for Nate Pearson right now. But perhaps later when I'm less worried about something else. Yeah. Um, we sent him for an MRI, but we're not worried. That seems like a bit of uh, inside out speak to me. Yeah, but like, why not just say like, yeah, he went for an MRI, but it's just precautionary. We think he's okay. We just want to make sure it's not something worse. Maybe he didn't want to use all those words up. He was on a budget. Yeah. I mean, like I'm parsing words and it's kind of <laughs> silly, right? I, I fully acknowledge <laughs> that what I'm doing is nonsense. It's just, it's very funny the way he speaks where it's always like this <laughs> it's like he was a former player but he talks like an accountant yes he looks like an accountant as well so maybe what he really wanted to be was some sort of you know actuary <laughs> and not a baseball man <laughs> yeah. which is fine but there's it, nothing wrong if, if any actuaries are listening god forbid um yeah. yeah actuary yourself away accountant your day we appreciate you um yeah Please but, don't buy. Uh, uh, please don't attempt any major employment at a baseball franchise. Ah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the, the the big issue, obviously, is just that Pearson is in the getting MRIs on his elbow stage of his career, and he's already got a pin in there or screws in there. So, you know, it, it's until they say they are, that it's actually a problem, it's only a potential problem. But you know, you don't want even want potential problems with your, as you said, your phenom hurler. Yeah, I mean, throwing a hundred miles an hour is. Uh... In and of itself, it, it just feels like there's potential for bad things to happen. And then when when not great results do happen, you start to think, hmm, what's the long-term prognosis, right? Because he has not been injury-free up to this point. Like you said, already got a pin in there. And now we go forward with another injury. And it was pointed out, not by me, that uh, if you're trying to build up Nate Pearson's durability in his innings, having him sit out part of the short season because he's injured is even worse for you next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not good, but hopefully it's just not disastrous. You know, like, 
I, I, Touch, uh, touching my wood floor right now. Perhaps that will be our, our tagline for next week is uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Hopefully it's not disastrous. Artificial Forest, where we hope it's not disastrous. <laughs> on, on the bright side, uh, Hyunjin Ryu is beginning to earn each of his paychecks. He sure is. Um, you know, like his first two starts were not very good. And I think he would openly acknowledge they're not very good. Even his first three. Uh, no, no, first two. Because he's been really good for three starts in a row now. And his last start was like a, was very much a reuse special. You know, the first two that, we, that I just referenced were a lot of strikeout swings and misses. In his last start, he didn't get the swings and misses, but that's because he kept getting ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. <laughs> and he's one of the elite ground ball pitchers in baseball. So if he's getting strikeouts and ground balls and he didn't walk anybody, that's Hyunjin Ryu. The, I, for me, the not walking anybody, regardless of the lineup at this point, it, it tells me that he's, he's, just personally that he's focusing in on on his usual skill set if mm -hmm. he's you know if he's that that in command of the zone um then he's probably not having problems with other things um so yeah i would be happy to see the walk total lower and the strikeout total a little bit lower that's fine <laughs> because that means he's putting the baseball where he wants to yeah i mean and, and this you know this is he was always an okay strikeout pitcher right he was he wasn't marcus stroman Mm -hmm. He, you know, he struck out more guys than that, but he's not a guy who's going to strike out over a batter per inning. That's never been his thing. So, you know, this is good. I mean, this is Hyunjin well, Ryu when he's healthy is frankly one of the very best pitchers in baseball, and his velocity has been getting back up. It was the highest it's been all season in his last start, and you know the, the location was there and the command was there and. That's all you need from him. And if you get six or seven innings, that takes a lot of stress off of a bullpen that has been confronted with a fair amount of uncertainty because of not only the rotation itself, but because of the scheduling issues that are happening. Like, we're, as we record this, they're playing a doubleheader, which the Blue Jays and doubleheaders are like oil and water for the past forever because they couldn't be rained out at home. And now all these postponements and everything else mean doubleheaders are always a potential part of the season. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a guy who, who you know, frees up your bullpen from one or two or three innings uh, in a start is fantastic if you think you can count on that. Especially because none of the other stars have been able to do that yet. Nope. Even Tanner Grinder Roark uh, gets Can't himself get five innings. Yeah, five innings. F five and dive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Shoemaker's been okay at that, but he got ejected in his last start. <laughs> that kind of hurt the bullpen a bit. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't use any profanity, and he didn't say anything personal. But uh, I guess he said enough. <laughs> yep. What do you think he said? Like you suck. Yeah, you're blind. Figure it out. Yeah, any of those. Oh <laughs> uh, man, maybe next time it'll be a different umpire. Maybe. Generally, though, uh, so there's been a couple nights where the bullpen um, has come down to Shan Yamaguchi and, and such, and and things have still not not turned out particularly well. I was looking at the schedule here, and now I've oh I had to reboot my computer, so I have it closed. Um, but there are bullpen aces out there who are not Ken Giles because Ken Giles is nowhere to be found yet. 
Yeah, which, you know, he, he was also an injury report. He's throwing for 120 feet and without pain, which is always nice. But, but yeah, I mean, Barucki and Romano continue to be just you know, lights out. I and mean, Ryan Barucki still hasn't given up a run yet. Yeah, who would have thought that, that Romano would give up a run before Barucki? <laughs> I mean, coming into the season, nobody. But after you started watching Ryan Barucki pitch, it's like, wow. <laughs> 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 it's a bit of a toss up. Yeah. I feel um, sad that Romano uh, gave up a home run as well. So you can't even can't even claim all that being great. Now mind you, you know, watching where where the pitches track, it's it's great to see Jordan Romano has the killer slider and is committed to to it mixed with the fastball. But when he misses, man, he could kill somebody with the misses that he has outside of the zone. <laughs> The command isn't exactly there yet. Um, <laughs> it hasn't led to extreme walk totals. He's only got four walks in 11 innings. But, I mean, you'd have to see it in at-bats. It's like, oh, that fastball missed by four feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those where it's like, well, okay, maybe part of that is actually working to his advantage because nobody wants to 100% dig in with the back foot. <laughs> well, it's, it's effectively wild, right? That That is a thing. Yep. When you throw that hard with that good stuff, if it's like, if there's even a little bit of a fear factor for the hitters in there, they're not going to, they're not going to be as good. And, and then you drop a slider on him. Yeah. He's actually throwing more sliders than fastballs too. And you know, he's got 15 strikeouts in 11 innings. He's, he's been, he's been incredible. And I think he's the closer ish now. Um, uh, Montoya hasn't actually said, but it seems like Bass was pitching in the eighth inning and, went, and a couple times, and then Romano was ready to go the ninth, but the Jays extended the lead and they didn't need him. I thought Rafael Dolis was the new closer. He got a save yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he last yeah. had a save eight years ago. There you go. Well, the, I mean, you know, last had a save in, this, in, the, in MLB. He's got a yeah. bunch of them in Japan. Yeah, but 2012, it's been a long road back to the closers role. And that was only because, of course, Romano and Bass were both unavailable um, due to a slight overwork on the bullpen and a doubleheader coming up the next day. I hate yep. doubleheaders. Are, are they doing seven inning doubleheaders? Is that what they're doing? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so I guess I, I hate them slightly less. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't remember who it was. One of the players said, if we ever go back to playing nine-inning doubleheaders, we're crazy. <laughs> oh, man after my heart. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's so taxing on a on a system that already overtaxes the pitching the way they've you know configured it. It's just silly to me. So good for seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, now, you wanted to talk about the unexpected ace of the bullpen. Yeah, AJ Cole. <laughs> Um, I did not see that coming. He's no. been, I mean, he's given up a couple runs while well, running each of his last outings, although one of them was unearned because of some, you know, defensive zooness, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> um, yeah, but well, he, he's been really good and he, he saved them from a couple of potential disasters, got out of some jams or hauled on to some late leads when there was no one else to pitch. And, you know, I was skeptical of Cole coming into the season and you know he was solid with with Cleveland last year but he's just you know he's in his 30s he's been around for a while and never been that good he's looked pretty good I think if you have two or three guys who are great and one guy who's pretty good you're on your way to winning close ball game so yeah 
I certainly agree with that. And, you know, the thing with Cole is you know, he's not throwing quite as hard as he did last year, too. So when he came out and I looked at it, it's like, okay, you know, last year he was touching 98, sitting at 95. This year he's, you know, sitting at 93 and a half and touching 95, 96. It's like, okay, well, you know, last year was the fluke. That's why those numbers were what they were. But nah, he's still getting the job done. Um, it's always nice when you figure out which which uh, bullpen acquisition in the offseason was the big get because um, it usually doesn't it, – it, it never seems to be indicated correctly in spring training who's going to be the guy. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this guy's better than expected. There's always one. And there's always one guy who's worse than expected, which I would <laughs> assume is Shan Yamaguchi at this point. Yeah, although he's been much better his last couple of times out. Fair enough. I, I think he's now not getting into situations where you'll see him – You'll notice if he shines or not, because he's getting thrown into games where the Blue Jays are in significant trouble already. Or, yeah, or like last game when he had to come in and pitch in the sixth inning because Tanner Roark couldn't get past five. But <laughs> Now you alluded. Or, no, or that wasn't the Roark game. That was the, that was the Pearson game. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's a, he's in a long relief role. So as you said, it's not kind of the you need this guy to be great position. Or you don't notice if he did give you two shutout innings because it doesn't really factor into the end of the game most of the time, <laughs> regardless. Um, okay, so you you did uh, refer to the fielding as a zoo. Um, you never find a lone shenanigan out there. There's always multiple shenanigans. Um, it's, it's not just the fielding, too. It's like it's just the general fundamentals of this team have been quite bad. We've seen a lot of base running gaffes, guys trying to take an extra base when they shouldn't. You know, like one of them was in against Miami when Teoscar or Travis Shaw tried to go to second on a throw home that was cut off and he was easily thrown out to win the inning. And it was just like, it's like, what are you doing? And, and I hear people say, it's like, oh, he's not even a rookie. Like, I don't care if you're a rookie. You learned that thing not to do that in peewee. <laughs> like, you know, and Teoscar Hernandez had some pretty bad gas that cost the Blue Jays a ball game and almost cost them another one. And then in, in, in yesterday's game, there were two throws from Lourdes Gurriel that were like on the money to nail runners. They bounced in and both times the fielder just couldn't corral it. One of them, Danny Jansen, looked like he was trying to tackle it. I mean, <laughs> really weird. <laughs> and so it's just the small things, right? But the problem is the Jays have probably, they should have won six or seven games that they've lost. And it's these small things that keep costing them the games. Yeah, I mean, the the blowouts have been few and far between. I mean, you would expect if this was truly an abysmal team um, that, you know, Charlie Montoya wouldn't be able to say, oh, we really competed with them all night, right? He would have to be making other platitudes um, to to boost their confidence. But, um, yeah, like, they, they have gotten blown out. But generally speaking, they're in the game. So, if, but if they don't have their head in the game, it's a problem. Yeah, it was like in that game where they they came back and from eleven to four and tied the game, and then in the extra inning, they screwed up a bunt defense, which loaded the bases. And yeah. It's just like, well, what are you guys doing? <laughs> You're major leaguers for crying out loud! It's like you don't get another chance at the eleventh inning with a runner on second. That's just yeah, it's just what happens. Um, I mean, they have turned around, turned around a five-four into a six-five or a seven-five, I think, um, in the bottom of an inning. And, and, and uh, yeah, well, I'll talk about that later. The whole extra innings thing. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like the team is, you know, they've won more games than they've lost since we last recorded. Like they're ten and eleven, so it's been better. 
but it just could have been a lot better. Well, yeah, and that's that's the issue is is how much time do you have to um, to catch up to your mistakes, you know, your own mental errors. Um, and I would argue they maybe they, they probably still have enough. But if they have another few games where there's lapses like that, it's just like you kind of throw up your hands and go, well, like you just need to be better. I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, as someone watching, right, the Jays have played a really high number of close games, which is tough enough as it is. But when it's close games and mistakes like that are happening, they're magnified and they yeah. feel worse. And you and you just you just you get angry because it's just like ah, another like they thrown away a game as opposed to, oh, well, they just got crushed. Like it's so it's tougher to watch. Yeah, because um, it's not about the talent. It's about the execution. And you feel like you can't control the talent on a team, right? If, if your first baseman can't hit, well, he can't hit. But if your first baseman can't field a, a one-hopper, well, that's something he should be able to practice. <laughs> it's something you're supposed yeah. to be able to do. Um, yeah, disappointing. Uh, yeah, we'll just move on to the magic silver tongue of Ross Atkins that you always love to try and that you do love to parse out his words and try and figure out what he really meant. So <laughs> he had a chitty this chat one, with the media. Yeah. So yeah, see the couple of things we mentioned earlier about Pearson and, and Bichette and the injury updates. And then he started talking about the defense. It's like, you know, and he's like, Teoscar Hernandez has to be a bit more aggressive. And, uh, you know, I think he can be one of the best defensive right fielders in baseball. <laughs> Do you want to break it to him or should I? Who, who's who's going to take that that bad news to Mr. Atkins? That if he was if he's ever in the top half defensively of right fielders in baseball, I would be jumping for joy. Yeah, and it's you know it's just like you can you can say things without throwing that nonsense in there, right? You yeah. just say. That yeah okay well it's too bad yeah, it's been tough but we really think that like there's a lot more there he's been better earlier which is true like the the two plays he made recently were kind of like the first two obviously bad ones he's made he said some kind of goofy looking roots but he's caught the ball and just say like yeah like we just feel like he needs to be a bit more aggressive and he can actually be a solid right fielder so like the hyperbole just makes it sound ridiculous yeah I mean you can talk about a guy being a consistent you can talk about him. Um... You know, he's he's really growing into the position. You could like there's a whole lot of things you can say without dragging out the word best. Yeah. I don't know, but I agree with you. It's just it's this over the top thing. It, it, it's obviously not for Teoscar's benefit because it's hardly like Teoscar himself is listening to that thinking. Yeah, I can be. the You know, now that I've heard it from from somebody in upper management, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be one of the best. Right. <laughs> He's just he's going and putting in his work and he's doing his best. I'm sure he is. But when when it comes down to it, Teoscar Hernandez does not have great instincts about how to go get the baseball and what to do with it all of the time. For whatever reason, we, we've seen it in all kinds of players, both in left and right field, from Adam Lind to. Uh, uh, you don't need to go through the list. It's just yeah, lots of guys. But, but I mean, it's hard to play good defense in the outfield is my, my my long and short point. To be one of the best, you need to be a bit of a savant out there and have thought three steps ahead for every situation, 
even though the ball is probably not coming to you nine times out of ten. Yeah, it's just it's it's tough to be incredible. <laughs> just just yeah. settle for good. Ask him to be good. Anything else Atkins touch on? Yeah, so that was the one that was just sort of the eye roll. Um, <laughs> one he, meant, one. he talked about Ryan Baraki's future role. And he said that, you know, they, they're not closing the door on him starting. But they, they, they think it's more likely he's going to be like a bulk reliever, like an 80 to 100 inning reliever. Well, uh, we keep hoping that we see one of those. Yeah, I hope it's not him, to be honest. I'd rather that be like Thomas Hatch. Right. Uh, I I mean, Berkey was their best starter in 2018, and he's improved his repertoire. So I'd really like to see him get another chance to start. And yeah, it sounds like that might not happen. I mean, you know, if he's a, if he turns into a 100 inning ace reliever, that's still a good usage. Of, like that's a good valuable piece to have. So it's not horrible news. It's just not what I'd prefer. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's somewhere between hey, he's our eighth inning guy which is a waste of a guy with a great pitch mix and obviously killer instincts out there. And, you know, and what you, what you are saying, give another chance to start. Cause I'm sure that Tanner Roark's slot is going to need to be filled by someone. And would you rather not be a younger homegrown guy than an older one? Yeah. Well, it's not even Tanner Roark. It's Chase Anderson. Tanner Roark's here for two years. <laughs> Good Lord. Don't remind me of these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing he said, which was, encouraging is that the blue jays are looking to add at the trade deadline which is in like 10 days (laughs) the season is just insane i understand that we knew it was going to be insane but it's like are we even playing baseball yet oh yeah it's the trade deadline crap what happened (laughs) so well i said it's good like they're, they're sorry go ahead i said if the blue jays went two and five over their next seven um they were screwed, and if they went five and two, they were probably in pretty good shape. And I think they went what th- four and three. Yes. So they didn't quite get to five hundred, but I haven't written them off yet officially. So, yeah, I mean, they they're in, they're in the right the right direction, and uh, you know it would help playing Baltimore. But uh, yeah, so adding would be nice. He said probably on the pitching side. Um, it seems like their need is more on the hitting side right now. I mean, like they keep having to play Joe Panic and Brandon Drury. And the pitching depth seems okay, but whatever. Adding it's, is good. Yeah, it's better than we're looking to get rid of some pieces. Okay, uh, well that sums up uh, this, that, and the other thing that happened this week, which uh, means we're gonna come back with uh, things you were wondering about in the form of your questions right after this. And after a trip around the world, however brief, we have returned. And when we return, we do the important thing, which is we open our ears to you, the listener, the most important person on this podcast. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? My weekly air drumming session has concluded, and... uh, (laughs) We have questions. What do we got? All right. So we you know, we didn't get a lot of questions this time, but that's quite the, all right. The questions are like the season. We only get two, approximately a third as many questions as we normally would have. 
Well, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I guess. <laughs> so our first question comes in from Matt Sweeby, who, yeah, Matt has asked a few time, questions over the, over the times. Atkins has been in charge for nearly five years now. When can Blue Jays fans expect a competitive team to be on the field, and when do we get an actual contender? Um, wow. That, that's not a, a damning shot at Atkins, I don't think. Um, arguably, you might have a contender right now. In this extremely weird environment, it might be a contender. Um, I don't know. It, it, it does look to me, honestly, like next year, if the Blue Jays don't start to put something together that looks like a playoff team, I think that Atkins and uh, uh, man, that's not Shapiro. good. Thank you. I'm like, his name is not pronounced the way I want to pronounce it. Um, and Shapiro might have some questions to answer from, from Rogers. Um, because you're right, it has been five years. But all of the parts that they were trying to get to the big leagues at the same time, I think are pretty much there. It's just trying to fill in around that, which Hyunjin Ryu was a very genuine effort to do that. So I think you could see a playoff team next year if if this weird format this year doesn't end up giving us one. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this team is designed to be a postseason team next year. I think it would always designed to be that. And as you mentioned, like, you know, the extra playoff teams could change it this year and they could, just could squeak in. But, yeah, they, they, they're they a young team that is like, as you mentioned, like they all got to the bigs basically at the same time and they're going to have a little bit of a growing pain, but they should be good by next year if they're going to be good. So, yeah, if you have a healthy Bobachette, a Vlad Guerrero Jr. who grows into, you know, anywhere near what we thought he would be. Um, yeah, I won't go at great length, but yes, the, 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 everything points to next year as being the year. And if it's not the year, mm, well, heads may roll. Um, next question uh, from Kenny at KP Trey Five: Are the Blue Jays good? And who was their second? Who was the second best player in the Sandlot? A movie about the Jays, of course. So no, the Blue Jays are not good, but they're okay. They're fine. They, and they could be good. Uh, Kenny is uh, he, he plays with me plays, uh, for Lisa at baseball, but uh, and as for the second best player in the Sandlot, since it is a Blue Jays movie, I'm going to go with Hamilton, the catcher, the who, the the chubby catcher who he hits bombs, but he strikes out a ton. <laughs> like he swings and misses. Like you throw him a good five, a good high fastball, he can't lay off it. Like that's guys made for the Blue Jays. Does seem like that. And we have one more question. We do. So this last question comes in from Luke, hashtag ACAB, at split letters. Who angered the injury gods and how can we appease them? You cannot appease the injury gods. I think we we can agree, right, Josh? The baseball gods are a vengeful group and they yes. do, there's nothing you can do to satisfy them. Even with Kentucky Fried Chicken in the clubhouse... It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. Um, who angered the injury gods? That's that's a tough question. I think obviously yeah. someone has angered them. Um, do you think Charlie Montoyo angered them accidentally? <laughs> no, nah, I don't think this one's on Charlie. No, we're, we're gonna give Charlie a pass on this one. All right. Yeah, I think it was some player flaunting. And it's like, oh, I'm fine. You know. Like everything's, you know, like well, we, as long as we, if someone, if anybody said the words, as long as we stay healthy, that's the guy. 
Go yeah. go get him and beat him in an alley somewhere. But don't injure him. Because we're going to need it. <laughs> we're going to Psych need it. His... Yeah, something soft. Just so he knows <laughs> he knows his place. <laughs> oh my god. That's gonna be a clip at the beginning of the podcast, and people are gonna be <laughs> What? Oh, man. Things we contemplate these days. Um, we're also contemplating a do-over, and man, do we have a doozy this week. Oh, my God. Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over? We believe in second chances. That, that, uh, gong or whatever it is, that sounds great. And you know what doesn't also <laughs> sounds great? The sound of a ball hitting a bat and leaving the stadium to increase the lead for your team to put the game out of reach. That sounds great, too. Especially when there's bases loaded. It's even more exciting. Yes, absolutely. A, the sound of a grand slam. Arguably, you could say that to your ears, a, a grand slam sounded different and nobody could prove that that was wrong. But But apparently that's wrong to do. You are not supposed to hit grand slams, Josh. Fernando, <laughs> Fernando Tatis found out, Junior, found out that you, you are not supposed to hit grand slams. Only certain times are you supposed to hit grand slams. And by that, I do not mean with the bases loaded. <laughs> Tried hitting grand slams at other times. It does not work. Um, yeah, apparently when your team is already up by, was it seven runs? Seven nothing, yeah. Uh, thou shalt not swing 3-0. Did you know about this unwritten rule up until this week? No. Uh, <laughs> I, this is one of the dumbest things. I mean, it's not up there with Colby Lewis getting angry for Rasmus bunting for a hit the fifth inning of a 2 nothing game, but it's pretty close. Well, I mean, the fact that both managers seem to come out and say, my gosh, we're so sorry that Fernando Tatis Jr. was attempting to play to the best of his ability in this game just blew my mind yeah so like chris woodward said you know the norms are being challenged on a daily basis so just because i don't like it doesn't mean it's not right you know that's fine like the way he's grown up playing the game he's accepting that it's changing and he's willing to understand that but jace tingler which is a terrible name by the way <laughs> What's your porn star name? Well, <laughs> my actual name. Um, yeah. So, so like he said, like, that's the last thing we'll ever take away. It's like a learning opportunity. Not, why is it a learning opportunity? Like he saw a good pitch and he hit and he hit it. I'm the craziest double standard here about this too. It's like when teams are up 10, nothing and they got their pitcher out there, got two strikes with two outs in the ninth and he throws a nasty slider shouldn't he just be grooving a fastball by these standards there's all kinds of things wrong with this that's one of My, them yeah <laughs> uh you you can go back and i don't know if you've seen the tweet but chris woodward i believe hit a 3-0 home run in a i think it was a six six nothing or seven nothing game in like the sixth inning in his career so apparently the, the line had not been crossed for when you stop hitting 3-0 home runs. <laughs> but one of my friends had one of the great lines about this. It's like by definition, the per, the ultimate example of showing up the other team is throwing a perfect game. It's like shouldn't you just be grooving them by the end? They haven't even been able to get one hit. <laughs> <laughs> what 
solid base runner. Like you should just be grooving it and see if they give them a chance. <laughs> yeah, you can't just be competing the whole time. That's, exactly. That's crazy talk. Um, especially if the team's up. Like, was there not? Uh, was it a nine nothing perfect game for? Was it Matt Kane? Yes, it was. See, Matt yes, Kane exactly. was just showing everybody up that night. Exactly. He was running up or running down the score, whatever the equivalent is. Like <laughs> running down the score. <laughs> oh man, that's an accusation. They accused me of running down the score. It's horrible. Um, someone else accused Fernando Tatis of point shaving. I don't think that helps anybody who has the under. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, none of that made any sense. Especially when you consider, of all things to me, the most important for any player is how much he, in his career, gets paid. In the long run, right? I mean, it's great to win championships and, and everything else, but... Ultimately, they're out. They're, it's a job. You're trying to get paid. How do you get paid in arbitration? By putting up numbers. How do you put up numbers if you're supposed to stop during well, blowouts? Exactly. <laughs> it's like home runs and RBIs are very real stats in arbitration. They matter so much for your money because they don't take into account modern analytics like WAR or defensive runs saved or outs above average or base running stats. It's Home runs, RBIs, runs, batting average, games played, like those kind of things. So a grand slam really helps you. Yeah. And it, it, it literally translates into dollars for a guy who's in the arbitration process. So, yeah, completely ridiculous. So are you going to give Tingler a do-over? <laughs> yes, Tingler gets the do-over for not being like, I love my guy. That was awesome. I'm really happy for him that he was able to get that. It would be pretty easy. Now, as a, as, a, as a sort of a postscript to this, every pitcher I have seen weigh in on this on Twitter or some other media has basically said, a 3-0 count is where I pray I don't get made a fool of. Yeah. <laughs> it's never entered my head that he's going to lay off because it's 3-0. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> what more do you need? Um, yeah. Yeah. Chris Woodward also could have intentionally walked him when it was 3-0 if he really didn't want to see that home run. Intentionally walk him with the bases loaded? When it's yeah. a 7-0 game, now that would have been interesting. Wow, it prevents him from showing you up. It does. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was a, yeah, it's a fun do-over. But we probably still won't talk about it ever again because it's just so ridiculous. This means that we have moseyed on over to the part of the podcast where I uh, declare it's near the end and ask you for a final thought. Yeah, so, you know, I've talked about a certain infielder who, whose existence I question, and other people have questioned the existence of one Julian Merriweather. I have not. I've seen him in person. I, I know he's real. He's in the big leagues now, and I feel really sorry for him if he doesn't shove because the <laughs> fan base really, really doesn't have any sympathy for him, which is so no fault of his own. It's just it's bad circumstances, so I hope he's good. Fair enough. Um, all hail Santiago Espinal, who shall save us from something at the moment. Um, yeah, I had a final thought and it has left me, which is, you know, much like the lead from time to time when Teoscar Hernandez is kicking the ball around. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. I hope that when we come back, the Blue Jays are above 500, but we will not wait until the Blue Jays are above 500 to come back and talk at you. Does that sound fair? 
Yes, that does sound fair. Hopefully they are above 100, but we won't wait. All right. So um, hold your questions until next time. Uh, I will say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been episode number 180 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you next week. Bye.